You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investment, Portfolio Manager at that institution. And this is proudly brought to you by sharenet.co.za. Wayne, yeah, it's with a heavy heart that I wake up in the morning and I see yet another I don't say it's a corporate scandal in South Africa, but it certainly doesn't cover us in much glory, does it, when you see what has happened to Sassel, a 12% fall in the share yes. price because of because of poor procedures. That's all I can say. Yeah, look, you cannot believe the sad state of affairs that's been around this Lake Charles chemical project. I mean, I can't remember the exact original budget, but it was six or seven Five, five or six billion US dollars was the budget. They're heading up for 13 billion dollars now. And let's not even talk about how much longer it's taken. So it's probably done twice as long as what it's supposed to take and cost way more than twice as much. So, in other words, they've pulled an Eskom on us here. This is the same yes. degree as building, a, building Eskom power stations, taken twice as long and cost twice as much. Exactly right. And someone's got to be held accountable, surely. Surely yes. there are people no, no, that have to track this every single day. They have to track every cent that is spent. They have to track the progress of the, of the project itself, never mind just the money, but also the operational progress. And somebody hasn't done their job, or a group of people haven't done their job Correct. properly, and they've let shareholders down. And it's not the first time. And yeah. it's not the first time that they haven't done their job. Now, look, I, I think there will be repercussions for Sassel management on this, because I went to a lunch with the MDs, with the managing directors, mm-hmm. in December. And eyeball to eyeball, they said, chaps, this last one we've to- told you about when the costs have gone up to 11.6 to 11.9 billion, which also included a contingency. Guys, this is it. It is This is the number. It's not going to be any more higher than this. Mm. And the completion dates are the following. It's not going to, this is the definitive number now. We are not coming back to the market with anything different than this. And less than six months later, you know, add another billion dollars on. I mean, that's big money, a eh? billion dollars. Yes. And a delay in, I must say the delay side is not too bad. It's, it's, it's still worse than what you expected. But, now, when you've spent $13 billion and you're only going to make $1 billion a year profit from it in two years' time, I mean, you're never actually going to repay your capital, never, because you've already 10 years, you're spending money with no income, mm. and it's cost you more than twice as much as original, and now... The amount of profits you're going to make from it was originally going to be 1.3 billion before before tax and interest and all those things. Now it's one billion, and it's another little bit later than what you anticipated. It is a complete and utter disaster. It is. A However, I'll probably disaster. buy the share. I'll yeah. probably buy the share at this price because there is such. Even if you make no money from this project, even if that money is totally and utterly wasted, they've now at least stopped spending it. And the other operations are generating seriously positive cash flows and profits. Eh? So I'll probably buy the share price simply because there is maybe more bad news in the share price than what the reality is actually going to be. But 
you've essentially wasted, I pick a number, 120 billion rand. Good grief. If not more, if not more. The share price would be 500 now instead of 377 if this uh, mm. late Charles business hadn't have been put on the table. Quite correct. Yeah. So now if you, if you believe the numbers that Minister Praveen Gordon said a while back, where he said states capture has cost 100 billion rand, Mm-hmm. Cecil's wasted more than that on this Lake Charles project. Hmm. But you think 12.5%, 12.5%, whatever we close at today, is enough now? It's, it's every, all the bad news is now factored in. And, well, they've said yes. to you before, they said to you in December that there was no more, but then maybe there is more. I don't Correct. know. But, but you... Maybe there is more, but now, but now this, price, this share price has been so pounded now. Mm. I mean, they're going to generate, with the oil price up at 70, they are going to generate serious cash flow and the one good thing in fact probably the only good thing about this whole disaster in lake charles is that they are going to be so gun shy of going into any capital expenditure program maybe to their detriment who knows but the management there is going to be so gun shy by going into any any big capex program and the shareholders are so miffed with them they are going to pay back they're going to give you serious dividends Anyway, it's, it's, it's all out the way now, hopefully, and um, you can move on. And yeah, as you okay. say, focus on the oil price, uh, focus on the uh, dollar rand exchange rate, and there are other projects, which, as you quite rightly say, whether it be chemicals or oil, they are generating really good cash flows. Lewis Group Limited, they came out with their results for the year ended 31st of March. They've been on recovery recently. Yes, and it looks good, and the share market rewarded them. So the share price up nicely, and they... They are on. They are on actually a very very nice recovery. It's looking good. So, I mean, yesterday we had MMI on a recovery path, and today we got Lewis. So, so, so it's good. You know, at least you are seeing some uh, positive outcomes from uh, recovery plans. Yes. And of course, then today, um, Aspen, which is in a major recovery, they announced they're going to restructure the European and South African operations in yet another cautionary. Right. Okay, so yeah. restructuring, does that mean selling off more um, businesses that they, they, uh, they bought money, rather yes. injudiciously in the past? Correct, yes. Well, well, yes and no. No, when they didn't buy injudicially, they, they bought what at the time seemed like very, very good companies and they generated cash flows, but all of a sudden their debt caught them. Yeah. You know, because things didn't come to fruition as they expected. And they essentially tried to spend their way into profits and that just took on too much debt. Okay, another company that came out with results today was Tiger Brands. This is a strange thing. I was speaking to a stockbroker this morning. At 7.30, they came out with their uh, results for the six months ended 31st of March. Then they say there's an investor presentation, which is a perfectly normal one minute later. And then one yes. minute later at 7.32, they give us a trading statement for the year ended 30th of September 2019. I don't understand that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's May look, now, isn't it? Yes, but look, the, the laws are the following. If you think that your earnings are going to be more than 20% from your previous earnings, right. year's earnings or six months' earnings, you've got to tell the market the moment you know that. So now they printed out their six months' earnings and then they told you for the year earnings are going to be different by more than 20%. So although the timing is a little bit unusual, it's, it's actually 
there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing really odd about this to be honest okay in that case shoprite holding says here procedural update on the proposed transaction what is the proposed transaction i'm just opening this up now it managed to slip yeah, they're buying back buying back those voting shares from Christo Visa. oh of course there we go yeah and does that have a material yeah, effect back those voting shares. does it make any difference Look, I must admit, I I don't know, um, I I don't know how to make up my mind on this one. To be totally honest, those shares carry no economic interest. So, what do you pay for something that doesn't give you a return? Would you buy anything that doesn't give you a return? No, it's like buying an Probably Uber. Not. It's like buying an Uber share. <laughs> it's not. They're not going to make yeah, you any money. Doesn't give you a return. Mm, yeah, exactly. But. Is it worth something? Probably yes, because it does carry voting control effectively of ShopRite. But how you determine what that price is and what the value is, I truly don't know. Okay, what else have we got here? Overseas markets and S&P, it's pretty quiet time of down year actually. slightly, yeah. Down, down slightly. What else are you seeing, Wayne? Are you still... Are you still confident that uh, South African companies, uh, selected South African companies, are going to do well? And especially when you see restructuring at Aspen and good results coming out of Lewis's, etc., which wouldn't have been the case yeah. a year ago. Are you still confident that there are some little nuggets out there? I think it's some, I think we can make money out the share prices. Whether the companies do all that well or not is a different argument. I mean, I spent a lot of time just recently uh, I suppose, in sessions talking about the South African economy. Now, we all know this first quarter results are going to be catastrophic, to say the least. And that's ESKIM and load shedding and Schedule 4 and all of these things. I mean, it could be as low as minus 2%. Wow. So, therefore, your economic growth for this year, it's unlikely to top 1%. And remember last year we had the 0.7 or the 0.8, and everyone was thinking, shoot, this year we might eat one and a half. I mean, it's catastrophic. So, but then again, you look today and there's some positive political news. Of course, it's still all speculation, but it looks as though President Ramaphosa is going to really put his foot down and get his own cabinet that he wants in there. And the the previous regime supporters seem to be distinctly on the back foot but of course, we'll have to see whether that is the case. But if, there is, if that is the case, then it's very positive because the biggest thing lacking in our economy is confidence. Yes. The moment you bring confidence back in, it can turn up because the global economy, it's slowing down, but it's doing okay. The RAND is a little bit weak, but it's doing okay. And of course, that will also change with, with, with confidence. Um, commodity prices are excellent. I mean, if you, I know it's the exception, this. But if you take iron ore at $100, Kumba Iron Ore will make 60 rand profit this year per share. I mean, remember in 2015, it was trading at 25 rand a share, the old share. Yeah. So they are going to, so the, so the commodity side, and we all know for the first time in a very long time, all the platinum companies, and in fact, now even some of the gold companies are actually making money. So the commodity side of our economy actually looks quite positive. The global side, even though it's slowing down, it is still growing. That all looks quite positive. It looks as though interest rates overseas clearly are not going up anymore and could very easily go down. Domestically, inflation is totally under control in South Africa because there's no demand, so there's no problem with inflation. Our long-term interest rates 
aren't at 13%. You know, they're quite a bit lower than that. And there's a growing likelihood that we can get an interest rate cut in South Africa in the not-too-distant future. So you put all of this together, all you need is a change in confidence, and you can get growth up in the next two years closer to 2%. 2% is still woefully inadequate to sort out our problems. But to get from 2 to 3% is a lot more difficult. But to get to 2% is actually just boils down to a confidence issue. And hopefully... Hopefully the trade wars don't happen. Hopefully that all stays relatively stable and doesn't negatively affect us. And hopefully Donald Trump doesn't do something else <laughs> or tweet about something else. But if all of those things stay in place and our state president continues to do the right thing and he gives us far more details about Eskom in the State of the Nation address and what he's going to do there and what he plans to do, you can turn this confidence thing around on its head quickly. And hopefully that all works out. Yes, and I think there is confidence anyway. Now that the election is out of the way, and Mr. Ramaphosa, as you quite rightly say, is putting, own, putting together his own cabinet, his own choices, without pressure from different factions within the ruling party. And also load shedding hasn't... Uh, when was the last time there was load shedding in Johannesburg? No, it was those schedule fours. I mean, just just, just on, on the whole technical side of Eskom, forget the money side for the moment, the mm. technical side of Eskom, the problems are actually relatively simple but to fix them is a problem but the, but the problems themselves are simple they didn't spend enough money on maintaining the old power stations because they didn't think they were going to need them because they were getting new ones right so now there's a backlog of maintenance on the old ones the new ones are only performing at 60 percent of design capacity and the reason why they're doing that is related to one thing there's not enough steam to power the turbines so in other words, they under they underspec the boilers because South African coal is a poorer quality than other places, and they somehow didn't allow for this, and they got underspec boilers, underspec steam delivery, and that's in two respects. One is the pipes are too small to deliver the steam they have got, and secondly, the boilers are too small. Now to change to fix the pipes costs money, but that can be done in a relatively short space of time. So you can go from 60% to 80%, let's call it a year. And if at 80, we should be able to stave off the majority of load shedding. To go from 80 to 95 is going to cost a lot of money and take a lot of time to sort out the actual boilers. So it's not as though you can't actually get resolution on this. Of course, where you get the money from to do this is another issue. But the actual technical issues, you can get to a state where your power supply is relatively stable. doesn't mean you won't have load shedding, but the chances of load shedding are, are you know, severely diminished. And it, when you do get it, it's not, load, it's not level four. This level four thing was truly a black swan event. It was truly a, a, you know, a perfect storm that actually happened. So it's not as though the technical side is not unsolvable. What about the, the money side that we need a decision on? What about winter coming up there in South Africa? Because there will be a surge in demand, obviously, if we get a cold winter, and that's when we will be yes. severely vulnerable to any any event, whether it's wet coal or whether it's just, a, as I say, a surge in demand from, yeah. from industry or mainly households because of the uh, the, the, the winter. So there, there is still a chance. But I, oh, no, there's, there's, there's clearly the, the, the chances is not diminished. But, you know, I spent... 
I, I chatted to quite a few mining companies just recently. Yes. And they are so used to this load shedding and they, other than level four, level one, the guys cope easily with it. They've adjusted their processes and how they stockpile and how they do everything to cope with, you know, two hours every second day type of thing. They can, they can cope with that. You won't even see an impact on their income statement. They're so used to it. They've got all the contingency plans in. But when you go to level four, I mean, I, I spoke to MPLATS, Anglo-American Platinum Management, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And they're saying they can easily cope with level one because all they do is their, their big users of electricity is actually the smelters. But smelters don't have to work 100% of the time to keep their process going. They've only, got to, they've only got to work 80% of the time. So they just keep other stuff in concentrate in the system. So it doesn't even affect their mining output. It doesn't affect the output of anything. But level four, they had to actually cut production from the mine because they just couldn't smelt and couldn't process enough platinum. So as long as we get level one intermittently, there's not a dramatic effect on the underlying economy because everyone's coped with us. I mean, you know, um, uh, at at home, people have put in gas, they got lights, they got generators. You can cope with two hours every second day. It's worse. It's, it's, if it's, it's, if it's worse than that, that's where the true problem comes in. What are you doing at the moment, Wayne? Any, any changes in your investment strategy right now? No, look, still holding on to the, hopefully increasing chance of some sort of recovery in the South African orientated shares. I mean, yesterday I almost gave up when all the banking shares sank, but then today they're back up again. Mm. And that is purely a very tactical position. I mean, I'm not, if we do get a decent recovery on these shares, I don't know, 20% over the next six months or 30% over the next six months, which is entirely possible as long as all the things fall into place then we'll be selling that and diversifying out of those because the the economic path of South Africa is a long and difficult path. Relatively easy, as I said earlier on, to get to 2%. But to truly get to 3 3 3.5%, it's a very long and difficult path. And we have huge hurdles in the way of that, of which one of the biggest things is overall government debt and tax rates. So you can't be overly enthusiastic about the South African economy longer term. You can be enthusiastic shorter term because you're starting from such a low base. But longer term, you can't be. And then I suppose to look at global companies and global exposures again, if we do get this recovery in South African shares and some sort of recovery in the RAND as well. Yeah, uh, th- what I like about the rand actually is it's 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 not all over the place. It's not going in fifty cents fifty cent swings, which we've been no, quite used to. It's it's relatively stable. I don't care if it's sixteen against the U.S. dollar, as long as the stability is as there. As long as it's stable, exactly yeah. right. Anyway, Wayne, thank you very much for your insight. As always, that's Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investment. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with ShareNet.co.za.